and welcome to the AB Forums podcast for the 4th of March 2015. Time's just running away, gentlemen. It's it's March already. Where's the year gone? Assistant Editor Steve Weathers. You want me to answer that question? <laughs> now well that now. was a Spock answer. <laughs> <laughs> of all the souls I've ever known, you this the was the most human. human. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> Funny thing is, I've just watched Stewie do that in... That's what I was thinking of. (laughs) With Rupert's funeral. Anyway, uh, news editor, Mark Hodgkinson. Are you out of your Vulcan mind? Uh, Games editor, Mark Botwright. Remember. And audio reviewer, Ed Selly. As you are so fond of observing, Doctor, I am not human. Uh, If you haven't already picked up, um, you know, we're not laughing at his death. In fact, I'm I'm really quite sad. I, I think... As far as actors' deaths go, this one kind of left a, a really big lump in my throat. Um, it, it did hurt because uh, Spock, you know, I was a nerd before it was trendy and hipster to be a nerd. Um, I guess we all were on this podcast. Big sci-fi fans. I'm not going to put words in other people's mouths, but in, in terms of what he meant to me, uh, I grew up watching the original uh, Star Trek. The films were absolutely brilliant. Um, the new films just haven't been able to capture that camaraderie between the three main characters, Spock being one of them. Leonard Nimoy, he's, he was just—he was a laugh a minute. It, it, the guy just made me laugh, and he, he owned that character. And I don't think there's many actors nowadays who who can say that that, that they owned a character and, and nobody else could really play him. So much to the point that really that's pretty much, even though he's had a long and varied career, that's largely he's going to be remembered for being Spock. I love the way that he's originally his autobiography was titled I Am Not Spock. And about 20 years later, he did a revised version of the autobiography and retitled it I Am Spock. Yeah. Because pretty much that is what he's going to remember for. And then, in the, that. And then in the Simpsons, as it's written, I Am Also McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, he's had a, a long and varied career. Um, obviously, he's been in plenty of other things. Uh, memorably, from my perspective, he was in um, Philip Kaufman's remake of The um, Invasion of Body Snatchers in 78. And, of course, he was a very successful di- career as a director as well, not forgetting he directed Star Trek 3 III and 4 and Three Men and a Baby. And the the one thing I just found out recently that I didn't know was he was a uh, very big race photography as well, uh, major in photography. Uh, and I didn't know that until I read his um, obituary the other day. And lest we forget that, like the great Bill Shatner, he was also a singer. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to bring up that. <laughs> there is a there is a video uh, which he did, uh, was it two years ago? Um, the advert for, for, um, for Audi. Audi, yeah. It was for Audi, and uh, it was with, um, oh, I keep forgetting his name. Uh, Zachary Swinton. Zachary Swinton, yeah. And uh, it's really, really funny. It shows that he's got a real sense of humour, and he still sings uh, Bilbo in it as mm. well. I think they should have got him to do one of the end songs in the Hobbit movies, frankly. I think they missed an opportunity there, didn't they? <laughs> and that was an obvious thing to do, wasn't it? Better than... Who did they get to do them? Oh, bloody Ed Sheeran, wasn't it? Oh, anything better than Ed Sheeran. I've got to say, I generally choked up. I don't know about you, Steve, but that... that as, well, it, was, I was, I mean, as it was breaking on Twitter, I'm th- I was thinking, no, don't be true, don't be true, please. Because that's, that's just that's not fair. Spock's not supposed to die. I, I suppose he was 83, not bad innings. I um, did like... I did on the tw- on Twitter. I like the, uh, the the feed that came back. Don't worry, he's only dead in this timeline. Yeah, or or more, more to the point, uh, he died in Star Trek Two, and then you know came back in Star Trek Three. So uh, who knows? Maybe in a couple of years he'll reappear. Probably not, though. I no, probably not. 
don't want to get anyone's hopes up out there. You know, I think he really is genuinely dead. I, I also thought that the cause of death was really unfortunate as well. I mean, he gave up smoking 30 years ago, but um, seemingly that was the cause of... of Damage was disease. done, Phil. Yeah. Damage was done. Not mentioning yeah. Mm. yeah. Sorry, I was just uh, doing a, an actual tie-in to, you know, our, our field of... Uh, our field of work, the uh, semi-immortal uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy infomercial for the Magnavision laser display. It's um, very much a, a, a piece of its time. Tunes like this anymore. That, that sounds like the <laughs> they tune don't, for the really Telly Savalas doing his thing about Birmingham. Well, I think it's probably the same thing. Yeah, it probably is the same thing. Yeah. It, does he appear at any point? Yes, yes, he does. I thought grandson was going to start. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we'll get sued for playing this music? <laughs> no idea. I'm not sporting anyone cares anymore. <laughs> a truly magnificent mustache as well in this piece. Uh, it, it's not coming on the screen. I'm going to fast forward it a bit so we yeah. can see. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yes, I can understand you. I'm Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. A record player that produces beautiful sound and pictures through my TV. Mm. What is it called? Ah, Magnavision. Gourmet video for people who know and love video. I see. The system consists of this Magnavision optical video disc player, a laser vision video disc, and my TV. It's a very efficient language. Huh? This single wire. Ah. So who's talking By connecting to this wire to the antenna <laughs> I, input on the TV of... set, the player becomes operable. It it's a little rock that just lights up when it's speaking. <laughs> no no expense. They, they did some really good drugs in the seventies, didn't they? They really had some top drawers. I mean, shit. I mean, you look you're looking here. No expense spent at all. Oh, <laughs> you, look, you look at this, and you look at the uh, Star Wars holiday special, and you're thinking they were off their fucking nuts, weren't they? <laughs> There were. Um, I think we need to move it on, but yes. It, but I do hope that you end up using that as the uh, a still from that as our uh, podcast cover. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think that that's pretty much... I think we should remember him as he, as he would want us to remember. <laughs> him, uh, a lonely paid advert for something that, that's long since gone. <laughs> yeah. I think we've captured the sombre mood. <laughs> yeah. I do own the Spaced Out album, though. <laughs> What I love about YouTube is the way I like, can looking at this and I'm being led astray by stuff on the other side, such as Laserdisc versus Blu-ray version of Robocop. I might check that out later. Then <laughs> <laughs> Nimoy does a William Shatner impression on a hero complex. I think I'll check that out later. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a good half an hour gone there immediately, isn't it, really? It's a dangerous thing, the internet. <laughs> anyway, anybody else want to pay tribute? <laughs> hey, what? <laughs> I think that Magnavision video is something other. <laughs> that says it all. <laughs> He was very good in an episode of Columbo, though. He I know it sounds like faint from, praise. In The Man from Uncle as well. He was, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was one of those things, unfortunately, he owned an iconic character and it didn't really matter whatever else he did. As we've already said, you know, that that's he, that's what he's forever associated with. But it's undoubtedly clear that he could do all manner of, of things. And um, 
And as you say, there is there, there's there's some humour. I mean, that um, Futurama episode with the uh, Star Trek cast is, um, you know, he's great in that. There's, you know, considering it's all it's all obviously voice work, and it's still still quite amusing. Um, he was man who he was a man who could take the mick out of himself, who could laugh at yes. himself, genuinely laugh at himself, and and he he understood the value in that because he was in Family Guy, he was in um, quite a few of the animated stuff, but he also did like I say these these commercials and infomercials where he was just genuinely taking the mick out of himself. And um, the other, uh, I have to say, a rare moment of the program actually being funny. The um, Big Bang Theory episode with the Spock transporter toy, and he's just <laughs> voicing that little action figure. Is is that's genuinely amusing? I mean, aided by some successful posing of said action figure, but that that's a, a very very funny sequence. So anyway, Nimoy out. <laughs> yes, um, and although we, we have had to laugh there, it, it is genuinely, um, it, yeah, sad news. You know. I, I was a soft spot for, for um, Captain Kirk myself, for William Shatner. I, I, I mean, he's a rubbish actor, but... Tough. I, <laughs> <laughs> That's what the rest of the cast thought. Yeah, yeah. I can they, see that. But you see, the, the thing is, though, they, they genuinely did have a rapport between the, the three of them, Bones, him and, and Spock, and that came across on screen. It, it really did. They had a really good chemistry in, in the movies. Off, off, off camera. <laughs> Sorry? I thought they hated each other's guts off camera. Well, maybe that was the case, but on screen certainly, and that and that's one yeah, of the yeah, that, you know that's the enjoyment I get out of watching the old Star Trek movies is the is that camaraderie, especially number four. I think that that's one of my favourite Trek movies, and it takes place on Earth. Um, but it's just it, you know the, they're out of their own time and stuff, and and it gives the characters a good uh, a good chance to to play off each other, and it's really funny. And and one of the movies I'll always go to that and Wrath of Khan. Rather can't my favourite because it's you know it's it's got some great overacting on the part of Ricardo Montalban. Um, you know, Spock gets a noble death saving the ship and, and, and uh, Shatner. And, yeah, <laughs> and Shatner gets to do that. <laughs> so, what more could you possibly want from a film? <laughs> God, that woman in the is going to think I'm mad. <laughs> I love the way there's an optimistic future tense in that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, okay. Uh, as you can tell, Hodge is back this week. So, Hodge, uh, you have the honours of the competitions. On you go. Suspected it might do. Right, okay. Uh, first up, uh, we have, courtesy of Scan Computers, a Thermalake Core X9 PC case, uh, which is a stackable cube PC case. Looks quite nice. It's worth £140. Uh, and that one is open for a while yet, uh, he says, rushing to his notes. No cash alternative. No cash alternative is on offer. Uh, and that one closes for 31st of March for that. Uh, and then we have... Mark, I think you should do it in, like, you know, bully voice, you know, like, here's what you would have won. I don't do that one. Um, <laughs> then we have two pairs of uh, Soundmagic P30S headphones. Um, the closing date for that is 20th of April. I'm not sure of the cash value. What what are they at? 60 quid? Uh, 70 quid, quid a pop. Any good? Yes, very much so. There you go. And that wraps up the competitions for this week. Thank you very much, Mark. Oh, look look what you're next on the running order again. So we're going to keep with your dulcet tones. Uh, World Mobile Congress it happened on Sunday at the time of recording this podcast. We're not a very big mobile phone site, but uh, lots of AV uh, mentioned in there and some nifty furniture as well from Ikea. 
that was the best thing. Yeah, Samsung and IKEA have uh, teamed up to produce furniture that has wireless charging capability built in. So you can just leave. This is only applicable to their latest uh, flagship models, which is the S6 and S6 Edge, which have the uh, wireless capability built in. So you could just leave it hanging around on, on, on your IKEA furniture and pick it up and it's charged. They also charge very, very fast. So um, I think it takes something like 10 minutes to give you four hours of charge and it can be fully done in, oh, in about half an hour, I think. Um, so that, that looks pretty swanky. Um, the design of the S6 Edge is very nice. It's curved on uh, both sides. Uh, OLED screen, 5.1 inch OLED screen, ridiculously fast processing power. It's um, curved on both sides. I mean, it's curved on both sides. It's not flat on either side, it's curved. The front and back is curved. So, like, I, I, I just it's contoured it. into your hand so it fits, uh, presumably, so it fits nice, nicely. I, I just hand. thought that was a given. Sorry. That was the first ever. Um, really? Yeah, that's curved I, on both sides. I, I thought LG had done one. No, curved on one side, that was flat on the back. Was it? So also Samsung say. I don't know. Take it with them. <laughs> yes, apparently so. Uh, I think it looks really smart. The S6 Edge, no doubt, it'll be, it'll be very expensive. Um, all the the uh, usual um, Samsung gizmos. It'll, yeah, it'll price, do just about anything. Prices have just popped up. Six hundred euros for oh, the Edge. Yeah, six hundred and then eight hundred euros for the. For, oh, for a telephone, you're having a giraffe. Bloody no, hell. that's that's just popped up on Twitter, and it's from somebody at the conference. Right, so you could either buy one of them or a decent telly. Uh, I'll leave that up to you. Um, but that's a lot of money for a phone. Well, however, yeah, but- it is. of course, it'll be available cheaper on contract. Um, but yeah, that's that's an awful lot of money. Um, but also, um, Samsung have launched Samsung Pay, which is very much like Apple Pay, uh, the service that. Um, they announced uh, their late, last event, um, which will mean you can do local transactions with just using your phone. Um, not sure how secure it is, but they say it's more agnostic than Apple's system, so it'll be uh, more widespread on launch. Um, that's a US deal only. I don't, I don't know whether we will get that over here. I guess we'll see how successfully it goes in the States. Um, what else did they have? They showed a bit more of their VR headset technology, just a reduction in size, basically increased processing power. Uh, this is an Ocu- the Oculus-based thing. Um, yeah, it all, it all looks good. Nothing, nothing particularly staggering. I do like the wireless charging idea more than anything else. Um, there is also a wireless charging pad that's just sold as a, a separate if you don't want to commit to buying some furniture to charge your phone. Um, as a roundup for everyone else, um, I really like the look of Sony's new uh, Xperia Z4 tablet. It's got the same Qualcomm uh, Snapdragon 810 as the uh, Galaxies, the new Galaxies. Um, so it will be lightning fast proce- processing, um, uh, a really high res screen. I think it's 2560 by 1600 pixels. So it'll be beautifully crisp. Um, IPS. It's enhanced by Trilumas Tech. Really like the look of that. Uh, I like I like the Sony phones and tablets. Um, there's also a Bluetooth keyboard that goes along with that to give it a bit of the uh, Surface Pro feel, uh, which looks really nice. Full mechanical keyboard. <coughs> uh, they've also announced a mid-range uh, Aqua smartphone, which, like all the rest of them, you can chuck in a bucket of water and it'll still work if you're so inclined. Then we had the. HTC One M9, which just looks exactly like the One M8 from last year, but um, the all the internals have been upgraded significantly. So um, you've got again the Snapdragon 810 octa-core processor, which seems to be the latest and greatest out there at the moment. Uh, it's three gig of RAM. 
uh, a, a nice battery and a really big big improvement on the camera, which has shot up to 20 megapixels from 8 from last year. Uh, I'm going to leave the HTC's best announcement, arguably, to Mr. Botwright, because I think he's bringing that up later on, uh, which is, I'll give it a quick one. So it's the Valve uh, Vive VR headset. I'll let Mr. Botwright fill you in on that in a bit. Uh, a couple of new mid-range Lumias from Microsoft. Uh, I get really decent specs if you're into the Windows Phone experience, and I wouldn't mind trying it out myself. Uh, they'll come quite cheaply, so you can get the 3G versions. Well, this, the prices are in euros, but they're announced at 140 and 160 euros, which is pretty cheap for the, the spec in question, and that about wraps it up. It was almost like you went to Spain, but you didn't, Mark. It was, wasn't it, eh? Yeah. Like being in Barcelona. I just like the idea of a mobile congress where everyone's on their phone. You just like an idea of what, Ed? It's just a mobile congress and just the idea that actually just everyone's on their phone all the time. <laughs> They're just trying to have like a double-edged conversation. Yeah, no, like, no, sorry, sorry, just hang on a second. And then they turn to... The whole thing is held by one giant conference call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, though. Everybody just walks about and looks at their mobiles. Nobody's, nobody makes eye contact. Like. Getting mugged. Yeah. Apparently. Uh, yeah, that seems to be the thing at the minute. Um, lots of backpacks getting getting nabbed off of journalists with uh, laptops and stuff in. Right, let's move on. Um, we have a pre-production TV, and we've mentioned it a couple of times, Steve, but you've actually now reviewed it. Uh, the JS9500 from Samsung. Um, you've had time to measure it. You've had time to uh, actually spend some time with it watching TV. What did you think? As you've just said, Phil, I'll caveat this by saying it is a pre-production sample, uh, not an actual production sample you'll buy in the shops. So make of that what you will. But um, personally, uh, picture-wise, it was absolutely superb. It looked really, really good for an LED LCD television. Um, the use of a direct LED backlight meant that there was a completely uniform and even backlight, no clouding, no bright corners, no banding. Um, on camera pans, that kind of stuff. So, because it's a lot uh, deeper than a lot of TVs we've seen. I mean, in the past, you see manufacturers trying squeezing those LEDs really close to the panel, and you can see them basically. They've wisely not done that. So, it's quite big. I mean, it's 65 inch screen size, curved obviously, but um, with the depth and, and the, the weight of it, it's a big old heavy, heavy uh, uh, device. But the picture quality is superb. So, nice even backlight. The, the out-of-the-box measurements for grayscale and color were well below three deep, um, a delta of three. So basically, yeah. <laughs> whether that'll be the case with the production samples, I don't know. But certainly the one I had had a very, I mean, basically when I was calibrating, I was just fine-tuning and tweaking here and there. But I doubt you'd even be able to see the difference after cal- I couldn't really tell the difference after calibration. It wasn't like it was a noticeable errors in there to remove in the first place. Uh, the processing was absolutely top draw. Uh, I measured the game the, the, in game mode input lag 24 milliseconds, which is unbelievably low for any TV, but it's the lowest I've ever ever seen for a UHD TV, right, Mark? I mean, yeah, normally yeah, nowhere near one. that. So that's impressive. Although there was a bug in it in the game mode, there was kind of like a line about two thirds of the way down the screen. So I'm sure it's just a software bug. I mean, as again, this is a pre-production sample, but I haven't told I've told uh, Samsung about that. A couple of other minor bugs in it that are probably worth mentioning. The OneConnect box has got octa-core processing. This isn't really a bug. This is more of an observation, but it's got octa-core processing, which means it does get very hot. They put fans in to cool it. They have to, really. If the sound's off, you can hear the fans, depending on where you put the Connect box. Obviously, you could put it in a cupboard out of the way and this sort of stuff, so there are options, but the fans are quite noisy in that box. Um, Other little things, there was a bit of handshaking issues, but again, it's a pre-production model, so don't worry about that. Uh, I did do one annoying thing. Again, I think this is probably uh, just a bug, but uh, every time you turned it off or changed, changed input or changed mode, 
it defaulted back to um, Smart LED, the local dimming, back to standard. Um, I would recommend using low myself, but it always kept defaulting back to standard after every time you turned it off and turned it on again and changed the input. I think that's, I've told them again about that. I'm sure that's just a bug, but a bit annoying. The one thing, the 3D performance was absolutely stellar in my opinion. I mean, obviously this is an incredibly bright television. I measured it at 400 CDM squared uh, with everything maxed out. I had it at 8 out of 20 for a, a nice, bright, punchy picture. Um, but obviously you've got all the extra brightness, which is there for high dynamic range, but it's also very handy for 3D. Um, and the 3D picture looked superb. No, no crosstalk, absolutely gorgeous, except for one thing, which was it was it was doing, it was there was frame interpolation on it all the time, even if I turned off. Even if you turned motion plus off, it was still doing it, which um, I have reported to them as well. Whether that's a bug or whether that's intentional, I don't know. But obviously I'd, like, I'd much prefer that you have the option. Not, not to have that on because it obviously it take, it give, it, I mean it may, maybe with 3D some people might think oh well it can be handy with 3D but you know I like the look of well non-frame interpolated footage when it comes to film based content content, and that applies to 3D as well so that was a bit annoying otherwise though yeah uh, beautiful picture you know uh, love the 4K panel bags of detail great processing really accurate um, certainly on this sample good backlight uh, you know uh, whether it's worth six grand. Well, you see, this was the big <laughs> elephant. This was the big elephant in the room that we we're going to come to. Six thousand pounds. I mean, this is a statement TV from Samsung, right? This is them saying this is the, I suppose, what they would probably consider the zenith of LED LCD technology. This is as good as it's going to get. This is them saying that what we've got here is something that will presumably they'll aim to keep current through the next few years as standards are agreed and finalized. You know, you've got HDR, you've got 10-bit video, you've got the wide... I measure the color space, it's, yeah, it's 92% DCI. So it was almost DCI, but not quite. You know, you've got all these things in there. It's got the direct LED backlight, you know, it's got the build quality. It's got really good onboard sound, actually, I've got to say as well. It will have um, their new smart platform powered and the one, the model I had, it was still being in, de- in development, so it wasn't the finished version. Um, you know, it's loads and loads of things about it that's very impressive. You know, it is their flagship statement television, um, but that's an eye-watering price for any, anything, really. I mean, it puts it smack dab against, up against, um, well, I guess, when it finally arrives, LG's OLED, 55-inch mm. 4K OLED. It, if it arrives. It will. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Um, six grand on a telly, even if it is the best of uh, LCD, LED tech. Ed, would you buy one? Have you had the money? If I had the money uh, and my current television failed and you get a bit more information about 4K broadcast. Yeah, I mean, you know, I wouldn't rule it out. I, You know, I have aversions to, to, to LCD technology, but that's because I've, you know, I've seen some poor implementations. If this is a very good implementation, I consider it on, on its own merit, but I, I'd, I'd still be wanting to see the OLED as well. Simple as that, I guess. I'm assuming in this scenario, I've got the money and... That's money to burn. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a multi-millionaire in this scenario. Skip, you skipped lunch this week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. Then fine, I'll have two of them. Stick one in the bathroom. I can see that Optibox with the fans going brilliantly in, 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 in a semi-damp environment. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pay people how to come up with to solutions for this, though. I'm a millionaire course, now. Of, of course you would. And there is literally very little that cannot be achieved in interior design and decor if you throw enough money at the problem. So, <laughs> you know, the sky is the limit. Yeah, maybe I, I set this example too high. Um, Hodge? No, no, not sick. Not for that kind of money. I mean, it's going to drop like a stone anyway throughout the year. You can guarantee it'll be about half that by the time the year ends. Uh, no, and I, I'd want to see some standards in UH and. Um, uh, the standards completely finalised, and 
everything finalised for HDR, it probably never happened, but I, I would be wary of spending that kind of money, and certainly on LCD. I, I guess this is what we discussed last week, wasn't it? You know, are we going to sit on the fence at this moment in time? Well, I guess we would. I think we all said always that. Would. I probably always would doing this doing this job. I can sit, I can afford to sit on the fence. Yes, very. Yeah, decisive. well, you, you can do that because you've got new yes. TVs come through all the time. If I was advising a friend, no, and, and even if they had six grand to spend, I'd, I'd say no. Wait. It must be said there are many many items of technology I would sooner have over a six thousand pound television. Yeah. So, yeah. At the very well, least, the, a six grand record player's got a lifespan of infinity. <laughs> I was wondering when you were going to bring vinyl into well, this argument. You know, know. Didn't it take you that long? Um, so, talking about upcoming reviews. What have you got, Ed? New month. Well, yeah, this is... Uh, as of today, um, the uh, Tangent uh, X5BT Spectrum loudspeaker has gone onto the site. Um, interesting one, that, in so much as we've already looked at parts of it before, because it shares an amp plate with the LTAX Monitor 3 BT. But I was persuaded to have a look at both of them, because whereas the LTAX has been adapted for it, that Tangent has basically been designed for it. Uh, it's a bit more expensive, but it is, <laughs> I mean, obviously beauty is subjective, but it's a hell of a lot better looking. Um, and it's quite interesting to, to sort of be able to compare and contrast the two. And the, the Tangent, it's a very, very well implemented, very well thought out product. Um, then we are firmly jumping the shark in, uh, in AV forums terms. The leading home cinema technology website in the UK has invited me to review a record player. I'm not going to give away anything more than that about what it is, but it's hopefully, provided that people read it and enjoy it, um, it's going to be one of a, a, a series of reviews where we're going to look at some you know, different levels and getting back into vinyl. So there's very specific requirements for the record players we're going to look at. Um, I'm going to explain more in this first review. Hopefully you'll think it's worthwhile. Um, do comment and the rest of it if you do, and feel free to ask questions, and we'll take it from there. I'm finishing off this clutch of what are technically February reviews with uh, a pair of Audio-Technica headphones, uh, which arrived completely unexpectedly at the Bristol show and was listening to them. And I thought, actually, do you know what? This, this might be worth talking about. And then for when March starts in Edland, uh, there is uh, an, a review of the entry-level acoustic energy loudspeakers in 5.1 and all bits by acoustic energy in that range. So a cost-effective full-size speaker package, which is, I'm sure you'll agree is a rare and beautiful thing in 2015. So I am looking forward to that. Uh, there'll be hopefully another record player. And, and other bits, I've got two things I am aiming to get in for March. I've got to make sure they're in the house before I talk about them. Uh, one of which... Uh, is, I, I think, going to be really exciting. Only one of them? Uh, well, the other one I don't know all about yet, but one of them hasn't been reviewed in this configuration in the UK, and it's a proper AV thing. It's not me messing about with vinyl or headphones or anything like that. Please. Proper, proper piece of AV equipment and, and a very cool one. Okay, and uh, Mark, what do you have coming up this month? Uh, I've got the first one out of the gates would be the Amazon Fire HDX 8.9 tablet review, which is a lovely little tablet, despite all the Amazon uh, customization. It's fantastic. Uh, I've got an LG G pad um, 10.1, which I'm not as keen on. Uh, I've I've got a mini uh, PC on a stick. Uh, it's an HDMI. Um, just plug it into, the, into your display and you've got a, a Windows 8.1 PC. Uh, and then I've got about 30,000 Android boxes arriving from Hong Kong. <laughs> so <laughs> that's going to be interesting. Yeah. 
So you've, you've got to build the product, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't, this, is a, this is a whole new ball game to let's see how this goes. <laughs> and presumably Samsung are getting a bit edgy and, you know, sending you emails asking, you know, come on, Mark, we've got an entire 2015 lineup. <laughs> uh, no, 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 Steve is doing it this year. Oh, okay. Steve, Steve is Captain Sam. Steve's getting all the pre-production stuff this year. Because yeah. what have you got coming this week, Steve? I've got the JS9. So they're taking away the JS9500 and placing it with JS9000, which, looking at the specs, is basically the same television, except, and this is maybe a big difference, who knows, uh, it doesn't have a direct LED backlight. It has edge, edge lighting. Um, otherwise, it looks like the specs are pretty much identical. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how effective the uh, backlight is when they're not using a, a direct array. Because um, I've got to say, that alone, you know, I'm not saying it makes it worth six grand, but uh, certainly, you know, watching, I was watching Wolf Hall. Now, I don't know if anyone else has been watch, watched Wolf Hall. No. But it's, it's photography. You like this, Phil, because they, they, in nighttime scenes, they're kind of lighting it, well, making it look light. It, it looked like it's lit purely by candles. And there's a lot of very deep blacks, lots of stuff hiding in the shadows. Um, you know, if you te- I think when it first started broadcasting, people were moaning that they couldn't see anything. It's like, well, get your television set up properly. That's what you should do. Because if you've got it set up properly, I'm watching it on the Kuro, for example, I thought it looked absolutely gorgeous. Um, and I thought that would be a hell of a test for any local dimming system because this is, you know. And I've got to say, the, uh, the JS9500 looked superb and really delivered uh, the goods on, on Wolf Hall. So it'll be interesting to see how effective this will be, you know, with, uh, with, without the direct backlight. What else have you got? Since Ed was bragging, I have the uh, Denon X7200 AVR, and this will be the first review of it in the UK. Boom. All right. All right. Drops the mic. Drops the mic. Well, clearly, <laughs> apparently, it now is. <laughs> I, I, I just had a David Cameron moment there, Steve. You know, the the uh, the whole weekly wipe yeah. thing where he just walks <laughs> off, just <laughs> says his bit, and then just walks off camera. <laughs> Um, well, seeing as I'm back to review and I'm, I'm back to the old age-old thing of I don't want to really give the kit, the kit back, um, so I'm hanging on to these XTZs for as long as... <laughs> <laughs> I don't care who knows. <laughs> have a go at us if we try and do yeah. that. Yeah, do hanging. as I say, yeah. not do as I do, right, isn't it? Uh, they're going back, they have to go back, but I have tried to to, to, to make the testing like, period... Do, do, you, do you keep <laughs> hiding under the table when the courier knocks? <laughs> No, we haven't gotten to that that stage yet, Ed. It, it'll, it'll come at that stage. But uh, in all seriousness, I've got the XTZs. Um, hopefully get them written up very soon. I've been really impressed with them. And I've used them with uh, two AVRs now. So we've got the Denon X3100, which is uh, bottom to mid-range AVR. Um, really impressed with the Denon stuff. Um, I have to say they have been listening, Steve. Um, maybe not to what we've been saying on the podcast, but they've certainly been listening to the market in terms of um, AVRs are just too complicated to use. Well, these AVRs, they'll hold your hand and take you through and show you everything and things are colour-coded and, and really made simple. And, and I've got to say the back panel as well is not intimidating, um, certainly not on the on the 3100. Um, you've got two, two component, three composite, and the rest is HDMI, a few analogue inputs, and that's about it. Yeah, no, I, I've been really impressed with the way that Den and Amaranth have um, have approached the idea of simplifying back panels, simplifying remotes, having a, a well-designed and intuitive-to-use menu system, taking you through the whole setup process, um, colour-coding their um, speaker terminals, putting them in a single line so you can access yep. them from above easily. Yeah, lots of little things that they've thought of, and, they, and these are little things that make a difference. And if you're, you know, if you're new to AVRs, this is the kind of thing that can really help you make the decision to take that first step into multi-channel audio. Because My- a lot of people, I'm sure are put off by the sheer, you know, some of these AVRs, these massive beasts with these huge back panels covered in inputs. It must terrify anyone yeah. who's new to that yeah. kind of thing. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I was just looking at the back of the uh, the Onkyo that I, I have in the, the room. It's a <laughs> five zero zero seven from about four years ago, maybe five year old now. Um, uh, you know, ex flagship receiver, and you look at the back of that panel and you think, where do I start? You know? <laughs> yeah, we needed those fourteen S video inputs, didn't it? Yeah, well, <laughs> not quite that bad, but um, just speaker terminals, you know, just for the height channels and everything else. And that was five years ago, you know, when you had the, uh, the Odyssey first came on the market with their. Uh, thing and then DTS, Ooh, Neo, and stop you there. Height channels. I think we can go back twenty-five or thirty years if you want to look at some of the Yamahas that first had them. Yes, it's yes. Been a ridiculously <laughs> long time. For credit you. where credit's due on that one, I think. <laughs> yes, uh, but anyway, you know, the, I'm really impressed with the den and stuff. So those reviews will be coming up soon. And um, XTZ, I might try. <laughs> I might try and make that last another couple of weeks. I've got to say they really are good. And you know, we've been banging on about Dolby Atmos and stuff for the last few few months, Steve on the podcast and saying do you really need it well you know if you've got properly set up speakers like these are and they're all tonally balanced correctly and they all do the you know you have a sound that goes from the center all the way around the back of you and back to the front again but there's a degree of height about it as well without having height channels you know do you need a Dolby Atmos um that's been my big question and I've been really happy with just uh one subwoofer and five speakers testing them and as you know I've normally got four subwoofers in that room so um that that tells you about the performance of of this package really good so anyway uh, that wraps up what's coming up this month for review and obviously there's more to add to that list and we'll tell you about it uh, from week to week as we uh, well motor through march uh, i still kind of believe we are into march but never mind it's my birthday this month by the way people you know happy hint, 50th hint hint i'll ignore that one ed and uh, let's move on we've got games news next Uh, right, let's move on to games news. Valve VR headsets now. Mark did allude to this in his uh, MWC roundup, but what's it all about, Mark? Yeah, well, this is uh, more news from the Mobile World Congress. Um, basically, that it's HTC who will be manufacturing the uh, VR headset for Valve. Um, it's going to be, as Mark said, the Vive. Uh, retail version, hopefully, will have higher resolution than what the developer version which at the moment uh, will have screen for each eye 1200 by 800 pixels uh, refresh rate of equivalent 90 frames per second um, all the usual things you'd expect in there um, gyro sensor accelerometer and laser position sensor for head tracking which they claim will give them to within one tenth of a degree um, the perhaps the most interesting news of it was that Rather than just a kind of standard headset where you're you're going to be stationary, you will also have the option to use a pair of Steam VR base stations. I haven't really gone into any great detail about this, but it'll create a little kind of virtual environment through which you can actually move around about fifteen by fifteen feet. Fifteen by fifteen feet. <laughs> well, you know what? It, it doesn't sound much, but no, compared not. to the idea of just being totally stationary, it's bigger than my lounge. I'd, I'd walk into a wall before I ran out of range. <laughs> That might be a bit of a hazard. That is one of the things I think certainly in British homes you might have a problem with. Um, yeah, but British homes, it, it's all Ameri- anything of this nature. It even goes down to aerobics videos. I mean, not that I participate in them, but if my wife gets one. <laughs> fundamentally, <laughs> what, why you were to- you watching them, Ed? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sat there trying to stop my son from like rugby tackling my wife. But um, 
No, it's it's like oh, you need to, if you actually try and perform an American workout video in a UK lounge, you, you you better actually be able to do it whilst climbing over a sofa. It's impossible to do, and it looks like it's the same with this. So, just well, this is side. Yeah, this is the problem that I think some people also had with things like the Wii, with anything kind of you know motion sensors um, in British homes where they say, uh, particularly with the Connect, Microsoft's Connect, a lot of people had major problems with not being able to get far enough away from the camera. You know, they're, they're, a lot of people had to use a little third-party peripheral just to stop it kind of trying to zoom too far into the room. They had to, you know, shorten the distance. Uh, but also, uh, HD, HTC are making uh, controllers that can be tracked, so they're designed to be versatile. So obviously it, that kind of opens things up with regards what kind of games can be uh, played on the system. Although the first kind of little tech demo type thing called job simulator um perhaps i think it just shows a bloke putting ketchup on a steak um job simulator yes yes <laughs> so like you, you pretend like you got a job yeah <laughs> which in your case would be novel, i should think doesn't count on the unemployment figures <laughs> but it, it looks just like a kind of basic proof of concept to show that it can track everything um so, but the, this will—I mean, the the time frame for it shows that it'll be one of you know one of the first to market. It's uh, developer editions out in spring 2015, so you know sometime soon. And they claim in stores for holiday 2015. You know, still a bit vague, but it's at least it's this year. I assume, yeah. When they say holiday, they mean Christmas, so the end of the year, maybe next. Yeah, I can scarcely contain myself. Is this the one that's got uh, Dolby Atmos? Back? No. no, there's been no mention of that. That was a different one. I can't remember what that one was now. Do you have like little speakers on like little rods above the VR unit hanging over your head? Eh? Eh? Well, if it's Atmos, you have to have overhead speakers. No, no, no it's all done in the headphones. No, no, I'm only really kidding. <laughs> Yes. Right. Okay. Well, to be honest, I was a little bit confused there when Hodge said uh, a PC on a stick. My, my first thought was it's really useful. like a selfie stick. I just thought, what the hell are they doing? Well, that was why I asked a question about the curved when he said curved on both sides. I thought, well, surely a curved phone is by definition curved on both sides, isn't no, it? It's not. So no. my imagination, what you meant was it was curved one way on one side and curved the other way on the other, which was bloody uncomfortable to hold from what I could work out. It's like two bananas stuck back to back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, a bit flat, it's a bit flatter than that. I think what we're proving here is that we are not natural candidates for a design agency. But... AV Forums podcast at the cutting edge of design. So what, for one of those phones you could buy an entire container ship of bananas. <laughs> what yes, would the it's... point be? I bought a ton of fruit instead. Yes. <laughs> you know, I thought you were going to say like something. The weakest Bond villain in the world. <laughs> banana man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I buy bananas and I hold the them to revolution. Come, come <laughs> the eight revolution, I'm going to be all right. You lot, I'll be laughing then. <laughs> <laughs> like until, the, <laughs> until the monkeys take over. <laughs> no, that's, no, that's what I'm saying. But when they take over, I'll bribe them. It won't last long, will it? Container yeah. ship full of bananas. Well, that's a reasonable length of time. Uh, the, Enough time to the work out plan B. The perishable, though. That's a thing. You, you'd have to have a plan B when the monkeys take off. Let's take them off the other way, to be honest. Have a lot of disgruntled monkeys on your hands after a week. <laughs> and you might have a lot of spiders as well. Maybe really that's how Planet the Apes starts. I want to get Steve. I missed that a bit. <laughs> 
you know, I thought you were going to say something sensible, Steve. Like, you know, for the price of one of these phones, you could have a full Dolby Atmos set up at home or something like that. I wasn't expecting bananas. <laughs> and where did you get your prices from? <laughs> this is on this is on the wholesale market. Clearly, this is not this is not going to be what you pay in a greengrass. This is going to be trade. Oh, but, you've got connections so, now. <laughs> Futures. I think I think Andrew Quick could get you quite a lot of bananas. Steve Withers, A V reviewer and costermonger to the stars. This is that games news. That's games news. Banana news. Right? And banana news. <laughs> and monkey news. It's monkey news. <laughs> Uh, right, Steve, what's at the cinema? Well, at the cinema, there was Focus, which I actually uh, reviewed last week. Um, there was also the second best Marigold Hotel, Exotic Marigold Hotel, uh, which is a dreadful title because it makes it sound, well, not quite as good as the one before then. Uh, there was also a Jennifer Lopez movie called, I think, The Boy Next Door. None of So those two I wasn't particularly keen on seeing. The film I really oh, wanted so you didn't see, see the thing with Jennifer no. Lopez in? No. It's got, uh, in that case... It looked appalling. Can I give say, a spoiler alert? Do what you like I, to it. I like it. You've well, seen I haven't it. seen it, but it has got one of the most ridiculous see, as I understand it, where Jennifer Lopez is handed a copy of the Iliad, which, uh, mm. in case we're uh, in case we're um, loose on this, is is an oral poem uh, written allegedly by a single man called Homer, sometime about two thousand years or before before Christ, and she's handed a copy of the Iliad, and the bloke goes, "It's a first edition." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to put it up there with my signed yeah, Bible. With my, yeah, my first of the Bible is signed by God and Jesus. Um, so I, obviously, I have no intention of seeing the rest of the film, but I, that that. that ah, be, uh, hang on, Steve. God and Jesus were one of the writers. Well, no, we do, I've just written a 600-page book on. Well, they were signed. Kind of. They were what? Sorry, Mark. Bit. They kind of. Should we say gave it to other people to write? Command dictator. He was dictator. Yeah, you know, like so it's a it's a biography rather than an autobiography, <laughs> is what we're saying here. Ghost written by Jeffrey Archer. It was the cliff they all are. I, th- I thought it was a work of fiction. Though. It is. So yes, we had the second best exotic Marigold hotel, which obviously only got made because the first one made a ton of money. Uh, the reviews haven't been too bad, but it wasn't particularly appealing. Um, the Jennifer Lopez movie, which just looks appalling, and I think Ed's just confirmed that. Uh, Refocus, which I'd already reviewed, so I'd already seen that. And the film I wanted to see, it follows the horror film that looks quite interesting, the one about well, what it looks like basically an STD ghost. Um, that was not in my local cinema, really annoyingly, so I couldn't see it. Oh, so that's, that's terrible. I think I think you need to complain. Who who's your local cinema? We'll say it's it now. To... And you know what's really annoying? I just sit through adverts for that film for the last month. So you think they could at least have decency to show it? Nah. <laughs> Trailered it to me. It's really annoying when they do that. It's like instead of which, half the screens were full of Fifty Shades of Flipping Grey. So, um, which I noticed I have... you haven't given us a review of. Yes, I have. Oh, you have? Shit, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it was that well, memorable well, head. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. I, I was... I was. You switched off. Like, and it's when Ed was having his foot x-ray thing. Look, if I if I didn't hear it, it didn't happen. It's a whole tree falls in the woods <laughs> business, okay? <laughs> so, this week... So, so anyway, that, 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 I've, got, I've still got to say that's a lame excuse for not going to the cinema, that the film wasn't showing that you wanted to see. You could have went and seen another film. Well, yeah, but I didn't want to see the other two films either. But that's not the point of reviewing. The point of reviewing is that you go and review the film. You don't just go to what you think is going to be good. No, true. But uh, I just want a boot box wireless speaker in my house, but I still did it. 
<laughs> you gave it a badge. <laughs> it was good. I wouldn't have one there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, what they couldn't be asked to go to the cinema this weekend, so there was no Right, so if you could have just opened with that and we'd have been done with it. Quicker, yeah. Would have been a lot quicker. But uh, anyway, uh, but also did at least explain what is at the cinema if you do want to go and see the second best exotic Marigold Hotel or The Boy Next Door or It But Follows, assuming it's playing at the cinema near you, and Focus, um, which I have seen and isn't too bad. It's a fun night at the movies if you fancy that. This week, bananas instead. Have a banana, yeah. Have a banana. Always an option. I look forward uh, this to the porn spoof of It Follows. It Follows Through. It's going to be horrendous, but actually, I, I think looking at the trailer, it would be quite easy to make a porn spoof of it. Follows. It's easy to make a porn spoof of anything, yeah. Except Fifty Shades of Grey, you'd actually have to like. Uh, where were we? Oh yeah, so um, so opening this Friday, um, we have Chappie, which is the new film from Neil Blomkamp about a sentient robot. Which I've got to say, I am going to go and see, <laughs> and it does look quite good. Uh, Unfinished Business, a comedy, and I use that term loosely, with Vince Vaughn, which I'll probably also go and see um, if it's playing. And the film I really want to see this weekend, I bet you it isn't playing at my cinema, because uh, it basically caters to all the idiots, unfortunately, uh, is Still Alice, which is the film that... Um, Where is, where is your at, cinema? Th- Swindon. All right. Uh, Says it all, really. Uh, it. <laughs> I to anyone living I, in Swindon. I thought, you, I thought you were talking about Bath, and I'm thinking, Bath's a major oh, city. No, 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 no. Bath's fine. It's just Swindon, yeah. Uh, still Alice, which I do want to see, which is the movie that Julianne Moore won the Academy Award Best Actress for, where she plays a woman with Alzheimer's, early onset Alzheimer's, and that does look very good. Right, so let's move on. Uh, Blu-ray's released next week. Quickly, Steve. Yeah, uh, next week we've got The Imitation Game, which is the film with Benedict Cumberbatch about Alan Turing, which I thought was absolutely excellent, superb when I saw it at cinema. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, very moving, um, uh, very interesting, and with a great performance by Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, that comes out on Blu-ray on Monday, so worth checking out if you haven't seen it. 71, which is the film where the soldier gets stuck behind, um, well, I'm not going to say enemy lines, but <laughs> stuck behind lines um, in Belfast in, in 1971, obviously, as the point I might suggest. Um, haven't seen it, but it does look very interesting, and, and it is, um, you know, it got a good review from Kaz, so um, I think it might be worth checking out. Ouija, a horror film, which I have not seen. Uh, I know very little about other than I assume it involves a Ouija board. And um, the hundred foot journey with Helen Mirren. Anyway, I've seen she's that hundred foot journey. journey. Uh, and is it good? It's good. Yeah, I really well, You it. saw it in the cinema. I don't know when I saw it. Or well, maybe someone told me about it, and I felt like. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be gobsmacked if that was something. It's about <laughs> an Indian restaurant, isn't it? In, in yes, Paris, it's France, yeah, France. Yeah. Yeah. Opening up. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. I don't know. Um, actually, looks quite looks quite good, especially if you like food. <laughs> it might be good. Oh. You should write a review. <laughs> It was. Well, get Mark to write a review based upon what he thinks someone told him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but he is a chef, so the food side would be all right. Yeah, I'll deal with that. That's true. That's true. Or at least he tells us he was a chef. <laughs> How many gold stars did you have, Mark? None. Oh, right, fine. Whatever happened to the um, Mark recipes spot then? Everyone hated it, so it was dropped. <laughs> And that's it for Blu-ray releases for next Monday. Uh, right, okay, so uh, let's move on very quickly. Reboots, remakes, prequels and sequels. Has Hollywood uh, literally lost the pot? And the reason why we're coming to that is uh, obviously Blumkamp, Neil, um, doing an alien film possibly. Um, you were talking about this this morning, Steve. We discussed it briefly and basically what I said was, you know, uh, Alien 1979, um, can we move on now? Can we do something original? Well, we can't do anything original. Just on a wider level, there are only, isn't it? There's only six stories and six stories and five songs. 
in in existence, and all you can ever do is rehash them. Is that like the basis of the hero's journey? That you know, you, the journey home, the journey to rescue somebody, the journey to whatever, well, you, you know. yeah, and then uh, you can be chased by a monster, and then you just, all you do is vary the monster, uh, and you can have a love story with either a happy or a sad ending with the monster. And, well, I guess if you want to mix it up a bit. Someone's drilling the beast, in the background. Yeah, what, Someone what is, is drilling in the background of my house. It's not me. Uh, <laughs> well, not me. I don't do DIY. Unfortunately, my neighbour is going at it hammer and tongs with a power drill. Um, and he's quite big and intimidating. So if he wants to go at it with a big drill, he's welcome to. I, I apologise to anyone. Probably best not to annoy him while he's got a drill in his hand. No, absolutely. My, he's, he's a nice enough bloke, but he's really, really big. So, you know, I just let him crack on with things. He's fine. Anyway, oh, alien. 19- the reason <laughs> I raised this point was because, as Phil's just said, Neil Blomkamp has announced that he's doing a sequel to Alien. Uh, well, um, no one's quite sure because what happened was about a couple of months ago, he leaked some pre-production concept art of this plan, his plans for an Alien sequel online. When he was, he said, "I'm not going to do the film now," but this is sort of where the lines were going along, and it had things like a, an acid scarred Hicks in it and this sort of stuff, suggesting it's actually a sequel to Aliens, and it's going to ignore Alien Three and um, Alien Resurrection, which I think is great because one of the big problems I got with Alien Three, and one of the many problems I got with that film, is that in the first two minutes it kills Hicks. And Spoilers. Kind of I, I, it, I don't mind spoiling Alien Three because it's <laughs> shit. Um, it basically negates the whole of Aliens, which is like a great movie, and I really that really annoyed me. So if, if someone can make a film that carries on from Aliens and gives us an, an ending, I think that we all because and also you know Alien Resurrection was appalling. So you know give it give the Alien franchise an ending it deserves. That would be great. And Neil Blomkamp is a director who's proved himself very capable of handling A effects and B monsters, and um, C you know uh, can create something that with a bit of emotion to it. So that sounds quite good. But it did make me get me thinking. Right, so we've got. A sequel yeah, to yeah, Alien. yeah. That that sounds good, but the Star Wars prequels sounded good as well, Steve. Yeah, true. And now we've got Star Wars sequels coming. We've got uh, a, a sequel to Prometheus, which was a prequel to Alien. We've now got a sequel to Alien. Um, we've got Fox rebooting the Fantastic Four about four years after they did a Fantastic Four movie. Uh, well, it's been rebooted. We've had James Bond rebooted re- recently. Although that's an example of something that's been going on since 1960, what two, and uh, still goes strong. So you know, can work, Phil. Can work. You know, it just looks like Hollywood's completely lost. Oh, a sequel to Blade Runner just been confirmed with uh, Harrison Ford. Hmm. If all, all Harrison Ford needs to do now is do a sequel, do another Jack Ryan movie, and you'll have done all of his. He'll be doing all of his new old franchises again. Oh, they're doing a reboot of um, Indiana Jones, I believe, Raiders of the Lost Ark, possibly with Chris Pratt. Uh, you know, it's, it's just got to the point where you're thinking, has, is there no one left in Hollywood who's actually got an original thought in their head? Yeah, well, there are, but then also because of the ridiculous amounts of money we people are spending on making films at the moment, risk aversion has kicked back in. So rather than take take a punt on something uh, new, you just, you know, you, you, you warm up some leftovers and, and hope for the best. And isn't it a happening. point of, of having a mix of different things as well, though? You know, like commission something new, then, then try and find something that you think will be a solid kind of banker of a film something that people already know. And so it's just easy to go back to things like reboots. It's a bit like the game, the game industry works, isn't it, Matt, really? Or yeah, exactly. You know, there's, there's a certain kind of diversification there. So, you know, you, you want a certain amount of risk, but also you want things that you, you seem to be almost guaranteed through sequels and prequels and that kind of thing to get money in through. Yeah, I mean, that would be the logical conclusion when you make some independent, some smaller budgeted original stuff and also 
for popping your tempo movies, we know big budget tempo. But you, Hollywood's got to ask yourself a question, which is why are films so expensive? Because there are films being made now that regularly cost more than Cleopatra did, and that's allowing for inflation. So you know, Cleopatra was insanely expensive in 1960. You know, it was the most expensive film of all time by miles at the time, and now you know, regularly films like. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, at World's End, and uh, you know, or you know, the next Avatar movie, or the Hobbit movies, are, are, are costing more than Cleopatra, you know, and that was where they built, you know, half of bloody Rome for God's sake. So you're kind of wondering why are films costing so much money now? Because I mean, these are these are ridiculous levels of cost and expenditure going on that that, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, how can anyone justify spending two to three hundred million dollars on a single film? When, I mean, James Cameron is talking about spending a billion dollars on three Avatar movies. And, making, I mean, and making them in China. Yeah, he's making them in China. Uh, so basically, he's getting the Chinese government to fund a lot of it, which is quite clever of him, I suppose. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's just insane levels of spending. And, and you're thinking, well, why? Why are they so... I mean, why, is, why are movies exponentially increasing in cost when compared to inflation? I don't know because you're asking three people, three other people that don't make movies for a living. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you ask people to make the movies, they don't know either. If we looked at, you know, I suppose we need to look at the alternatives. When was the last time? I mean, Steve, you watch more, a lot more films than I do. When was the last time that something that didn't cost very much to make was a proper box office sledgehammer? I mean, you know, I, I, thinking all the way back to something like American Gra- Graffiti, which was made for like eight. What was what was the uh, the found footage one? The um, the one about the witch, Blair witch. 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 That was probably the last one where it cost absolute peanuts and brought in tens of millions. It was the same when Star Wars was a massive hit back in seventy uh, seven, and then seventy eight, seventy nine, eighty, eighty one. I mean, how many? space movies, sci-fi movies, Battlestar Galacticas and, and all that kind of thing suddenly became popular. I mean, Star Trek, for heaven's sake, you know, we're talking about Spock at the beginning of the, of the podcast, you know, Star Trek, the movie, would not have happened if Star Wars wasn't a huge box office hit. So I think it's always been there. I just think nowadays it's, it's a case that nobody wants to risk their money. And it's a business at the end of the day, so, you know, I guess there has to be a strong reason for them to back a a franchise or a possible new franchise or something like that and, and then just look at who have tried to do that in the the recent past and have failed yeah it's certainly true that there's been attempts to uh, do something a bit different and they have ended up losing a ton of money but yeah I, I just think um, you know someone's got to take a risk at some point and try and make something that's going to be I mean it can happen I mean if you look at uh, I guess the example everyone uses is Inception which is was a fairly intelligent and, un- and different kind of movie, but it was still on a very big budget and it did really well successfully at the box office. So you can do it. I mean, so but, okay, since but then. A lot of the, bankable the names in there as well. Just think mainly because obviously it's the Hans Zimmerling, but how, I mean, how did it, um, Interstellar do? Not very well. Okay. It did 600 and something million worldwide, right. but not as well as it was expected to do. Cons- so, considering all the hype that had gone before, I think it, it, it didn't really do, it, I think it washed its face, didn't it really? Yeah, it would have made its money back basically, but um, but that's about it. I mean, it broke even. Probably, I'd probably do okay, but it, it yeah, it, it was certainly it wasn't as well received as people were expecting it to be. Um, and I think that's just because I think Nolan's lost it a bit since Inception and, and The Dark Knight. I mean, I think The Dark Knight Rises, everyone generally agrees that was a bit rubbish. <laughs> it didn't make a lot of sense, uh, and Interstellar, uh, you know, suffered from being frankly really boring, which you you know 
is a cardinal sin and stupid in places as well and really dumb in places. So, And then we get something like Gardens of the Gal- Galaxy, and I will keep saying gardens. <laughs> 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 but, but look at something like that, which was a fun movie, um, and, you know, something which, which was original-ish. Yes, it borrowed for this, that, and the next, but you know, it, it it kind of flew in the face of what what else was going on at the cinema at the time, and was successful, and was the first film that I've watched in a long time where I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and and thought it was great fun. I mean, I don't know. The other thing is that, regrettably, for as long as I mean, what's the hit rate on successful? Uh, the hit rate on successful sequels it it's got to probably still be above fifty percent. So for as long as it is, people are going to keep heading their bets and trying it. It takes it's going to take three in a row or something similar to just tank. And there it to depends be, which sequel though, surely, because there there, I, I, that. yeah, the the diminishing returns. Like first sequel, fine, that's great, but kind of from number three onwards, it, there's such a massive drop off. Unless it's the Fast and the Furious films, which defy all, <laughs> yeah, defy all expectations. Well, yeah, I mean, you say that about Fast and Furious, but then, and, and we've been moaning about it in this podcast, is Fifty Shades of Grey. Just look how much moolah that has brought in. There's going to be a sequel. No matter how, Shades of Grey? And no matter how unworthy we think it is, it, it's washed its face in more. It's been really, really successful. Well, except for that showing where that woman lost control of all of her bodily functions and they had to close the cinema. <laughs> You didn't see that in the news. It was just it's, it's was in, in some ways it's too much detail, and in certain ways it's just maddeningly light on. Uh. But yeah, that's, uh... um, what's up? I'm on that bombshell. Um, I don't know. What, I don't know where it goes. Phil, it made it's made. 500 million so far, almost 500 yeah. million. Yeah, well, that's what I meant. It, it was, it's, it's done mega money. Um, and there's just there's just no logic Justice. behind that. I'm Say what, to... if I produced that film, I'd wet myself too with that kind of box of <laughs> um, But we end up going back to the same things we said before on, on the numerous podcasts, which is one, they're getting let, because Ed said they're becoming more and more risk averse because of the sheer cost of making films these days. And all the really good stuff's on TV. All the interesting, original, challenging stuff is on television these days. Yep, it is. And uh, we'll close on this one because the, the Series 3 uh, premiered on Friday. Um, we're recording this on the Monday of uh, House of Cards. Anybody, I'm still catching up with Season 2, so I haven't seen I'm any. five episodes my, in. So my wife is, 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 is loving it thoroughly. I I'm just just the way that times have fallen and, and uh, I just, I've, I've not really watched any of them it'll be as, as it's something that Netflix made I figure it won't go anywhere in a hurry I'll, I'll get around to it one of these days I'm um, I'm in the middle of loving uh, Fortitude on Sky I think that's bloody marvellous yeah I think it is is that the one with Gambon yes alright okay I haven't seen that one yet I don't think it's, it's on any of the services I have I, I can't look for right now is it okay right it's is really it, good is it five episodes on there now alright okay that's well worth it. Right, enough of this chaos. Uh, that is it for this week on the AV Forums podcast. My thanks to Steve Withers. I'm laughing at the superior intellect. Mark Hodgkinson. Isn't ready. Mark Buttright. Oh, sorry, I thought that was Hodge saying he isn't ready. I'm ready now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hang on, those aren't quotes, are they? <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. Jeez. Yeah, Hodge comes back and then it just all goes to hell. Right, Mark Hodgkinson. But. <laughs> 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 <laugh
scientists have always been pawns of the military. It's well worth waiting on. Uh, Mark about right. Full impulse power. And Ed Selly. Live long and prosper. Here, here. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmarkavforums.com for latest reviews, news and video. Uh, plus, why not leave us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed this show? I'm Phil Hinton. Thanks very much for listening. And we'll see you again next Wednesday. Thank <laughs> you.